the sky is gray. Winds blow, causing leaves to follow an unpredictable path down our streets. We aren't entirely certain where the leaves are coming from, as all of the trees near us are of a pine variety, and these look more akin to maple or cedar. However, the leaves are clearly some sort of gift, a reminder that things can come to us when we least expect it. They are a voice calling from some darkened corner, full of promise. I am calling from Elm Lake. Fall is right around the corner, and it has been taunting us for what feels like weeks. Temperatures have danced from brisk to unbearable, with barely any stops in between. One day, we'll be out and about, gloves and sweaters necessary just to make it to the owl's nest. The next, we're sweating, skin exposed, hoping to find enough water to keep us hydrated. It's the same every year, though, as whatever weather we are given is volatile, ever-changing, and somewhat threatening. Which makes the promise of autumn that much more alluring. A sleepy time where fog takes on a life of its own and where autumnal breezes carry the scents of pumpkin, the sounds of crunching leaves, and the sights of small ghostly wisps. It's a peaceful time. Sure, there are some that believe that fall contains a time where the veil grows thin, but those people can't be held to too incredibly high of standards. They probably also think everything has been constructed for some nefarious purpose. be something going on behind the closed doors of the glass eye. I've been in and out of the store, and I've witnessed other residents of Elm Lake browsing the shelves. Both Marissa and Samantha seem pleased to watch the traffic as it enters, but nobody ever leaves with anything. I mean, okay, Angus did, but he's been the only one. Not even Anthony walked away with anything from inside the glass eye, either tangible or that information he so desperately seeks. I haven't seen Jenny step foot into the store. I've been keeping eyes on her as well. I want to see if she ends up suffering any effects from what we lived through, but she isn't showing anything. At one point, I thought I saw her limp slightly and I felt a pang of guilt, remembering the knife I had to stab into her leg. Then she casually bent down, picked up some small bobble off of the ground, 
set it into her basket, and continued on her way without any further indication something could have been wrong. This seems to confirm to me that whatever I remember experiencing, this Jenny never did. Neither did this Anthony. It honestly makes me wonder if I actually did experience it or if it was all just a terrifying nightmare. Maybe something happened during the last moon festival and I've lost my grip on reality. I'll probably never truly know. And I think that's part of the reason I keep coming back to the glass eye. I'm looking for something tangible, some way to prove that my experiences were and will continue to be real. Anthony stops by regularly before making his way back to his precious broadcast studio. Angus hasn't returned since he made his purchase, which was all bundled up and impossible to tell exactly what it was. As for Marissa and Samantha, the proprietors, it always feels like they're watching me. Not just when I'm in the glass eye. No, it feels like they're watching me whenever I'm near, and that their gaze is starting to cover a larger area. It's unsettling, but I need that confirmation. I won't let myself get trapped in a box again. Riz is so proud of already having made a connection. Our first project, at least within Elm Lake, has gone out into the world and everything is going well. Tools are being sharpened nightly, whether he wants them to be or not. They're almost sharp enough. A razor edge that can fell any tree or overgrown plant life in the vicinity. His scythe is the sharpest at this point, and it all happens while he sleeps. He's able to get more done more quickly because of the quality of his tools, and he has a companion to speak with. Angus has been sitting on secrets, not trusting anyone else to hear his truths. Now the same thing that keeps his weapons in good repair is his trusted companion, unburdening his soul and mind, freeing him. Did I say weapons? I meant tools. Of course I meant tools. Weapons are meant for attack or defense. What Angus has is meant to be utilitarian and beneficial to broader situational uses. Certainly not anything more nefarious. Why would you even question that? Speaking of questioning, I'm trying to get a feel for this Amelia woman who keeps coming in. Anthony, he isn't important. He can be maneuvered around. But Amelia... There's something focused in her gaze, and she's certainly trying to discern something. Riz hasn't really noticed, but she's been focused on the Fowler woman, who still hasn't actually come to our door. Her vision is extending even further than I've seen before, and I can't wait to see what effect it has on our little project.
I stopped by the glass eye again today. Both Marissa and Samantha were there, but neither was willing to talk. They kept gesturing towards the shelves, trying to point me away from their immediate vicinity. I felt like I was bothering them, so I didn't spend much time, to be honest. It all felt a little unsettling, and I don't really like overstaying my welcome in places. So I packed up my mobile broadcasting device, my notepad with all of my interview questions for them, and the subpar breakfast sandwiches I brought as a peace offering, and headed back to the studio proper. I was back, safely surrounded by the glowing lights and bouncing dials, before I realized that I had seen Amelia inside the glass eye. I often see Amelia there if I really think about it. She's looking for something. And it feels like she has been for a while. She's looked a little haunted even before the glass eye opened, if I'm being honest with myself. I know I should ask her what's bothering her, but she hasn't looked like she's been interested in talking. I've noticed her casting concerned looks towards Jenny Fowler, and she looks almost fearful around Marcus Grant. It's almost like she's built up some sort of fiction in her head, and that fiction is starting to bleed over into her daily life. I didn't think she knew Jenny, but her looks tell a different story. As for Marcus, I know that she's known him for ages, but I don't know why she looks so scared. He's quiet and polite, and always knows how to get the best produce, which I know Amelia enjoys. I know, I know, I should talk with her. I shouldn't just continue speculating, because that isn't healthy for my own mind. I definitely shouldn't gossip and spread unfounded rumors, because that isn't ideal for a community. And Amelia's my friend. We visited moon festivals together. I helped her hang her laundry. We've spoken about the strange fascinations our town council seems to have with games from our childhood. It's just that every time I think about meeting up with Amelia for a cup of tea and a chance to catch up, she's clearly got other things going on. If I'm not wrong, she's often heading to the glass eye browsing the aisles, trying to see if Marissa and Samantha are good fits for Elm Lake. I just have to trust that she knows what she's doing. Maybe I should see how this year's festival is coming along. I haven't seen Jorge in a while, and I'd love to be able to tell Emilia about it when we actually reconnect.
she's back. She's always back. She's been wandering our aisles most daily, pretending to look at what we have to offer, but I know she's looking at us, attempting to look through us. She's trying to place how we fit, how we move, how we exist. I can see that she's lived through some terrible times and she has secrets that she can't share. She also has secrets that she won't share because those are secrets that should be held by others. They just don't know it. I think I have the perfect thing in mind for her. I thought Riz was building it for someone else. The more I see Amelia, the more I realize it's for her. It's always been for her. That's the nature of the gift when I think about it. I create things. I don't know who they're for until I do. And now I know this one is for her. I did my due diligence to make sure it was hers. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I'm correct. Amelia's back in the store again. I've set my gift for her on the far counter where she's guaranteed to see it. She's noticed every little change we've made since we've opened. There's no way she can miss this one. I've also tried to leave indicators that it is indeed a gift. I'm keeping watch just in case she tries to come to the counter or leave any sort of items in exchange. But the back room is mine. Riz isn't here right now, so I've taken her workshop as my own. I could talk with Amelia, but I'm far more patient than that. And her getting this gift is the perfect next step along the path the glass eye needs to take. She is the next domino that needs to fall. The next barrier because of her strange memories. I will remain here and keep working. And while I do, my gift to Amelia will be waiting. The dolls are always waiting. Calling from Elm Lake, episode 31, A Gift, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Amelia Ashford is Maddie Stewart. The voice of Samantha Brower is Malia Hansen. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. Thank you for listening to our ongoing tale. If you've enjoyed our stories so far, please leave a rating and review. Word of mouth will help us continue to grow and unfold news tales within our universe.
You can also join us at www.patreon.com slash calling from Elm Lake to help support us as independent artists carving out our own space in this creative world. Gifts can be freely given without any concept of exchange. They can be offered as an unspoken barter, where both parties stand to gain something they never knew they were looking for. They can carry emotion, meaning, and unspoken sentiments, standing in as a sort of purchase for the same in return. Some gifts mean absolutely nothing, and those are the ones that may be the most precious of all.